Okay, welcome to the making Hi, it. Hello, Steph. Hi. <laughs> uh, welcome to the making it in movie making podcast. Um, so, tell me about your experience of making movies. What is it you're trying to do? What is it you do? Mm, well, you well, you know, for me, I drama was something that I liked doing at school, but I was too shy, too scared to do it. I always saw that other people were better than me, that they'd laugh at me. I was shy. I was the gawky kid at school with glasses and book teeth and, you know, not very popular. And I wanted to do it, but didn't have the guts to do it. Um, so I had a normal job. I worked in a chemist for 10 years. I went to university. I became a school teacher. And being a school teacher, talking to kids, knowing you know your subject gave me the confidence to suddenly realize that actually I didn't know what I was talking about and I do know more than other people you know in my own subject so that that just 23 years as a teacher was you know made me more confident in myself and then I just went into amateur acting because it's something I'd always wanted to do but thought that it's something that you you have to be asked to join you know, uh, somebody's doing a play, will you come and be in my play? And I always thought that if I, I've always taken a, a backward step and sat back and waited for people to come to me to say, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And then suddenly, I don't know, about four or five years back, I just realized that that's not going to happen. You know, there's thousands of people out there that have all got amazing talent, that are brilliant at what they do. And I am one of many. And there's hundreds and thousands better than me. And this hundreds and thousands not better than me. But the one that's going to get the job is the one that puts themselves out there and goes and gets it for themselves. So when you talk about making it, for me, it's you have to make it, make it up, make it for yourself. So I thought, if I sit here and wait for somebody to come and say, hey, there's a great part in Emmerdale for you, will you come and do it? It's not going to happen. So if I want to be in something, I've got to make it myself. So what's the very first thing you did? You said an amateur drama. How did you find out about that? Uh, yeah, I was, oh, wow. It was, it was the FA, it was the FA Cup semi-final and Sheffield United were playing Notts Forest in the FA Cup semi-final, uh, something like that, in Sheffield United and somebody. And it was in at Manchester in 1999-ish. And I was, my boyfriend at the time was a massive Sheffield United fan. So I find myself on this coach going to Manchester. And on this coach was another man that was chatting away. And he was directing an amateur production of um, Shakers, which was the, the equivalent of John Godber's Bouncers, but for females. And it was, it was, it was doing this play... Um, soon and he needed actors no that would be in the in 95-ish and he was doing this play and he needed women actors for it and I just thought I want to do that so I just got up from my seat on the coach and I went and sat in the seat next to him and said hello <laughs> um, my name is Steph and um, I want to be in your play um, and he said right okay so I went round and he said well the, the auditions are on this particular day so I went, okay, thank you. Went back to my seat, <laughs> turned Wait, up. so you just overheard him speaking to other people and you were like, right, I'm going to put myself up here and go and... Yeah, yeah. Nice. So I went and sat next to him and said, are you doing the play? And he said, yeah, oh, I said, I'm... And he said, have you done anything? No, I've never done anything before like this in my life. Never acted before in a play. Wanted to at school. Too shy at school to, you know, used to watch the school plays and think, I could do that. I could have played that part. Oh, yeah, if I was doing that, I'd have been a bit more angry at that point or I'd have cried at that bit. And I, I also think about how I would have played it, but I was always too shy to put myself forward at school. So, like I say, I, I, I just heard this man talking. And he was, you know, he was a friendly enough chap. He wasn't up his own backside or anything. He would just talk you know, quite enthusiastically. Anyway, I suppose he was an approachable person. I felt able to go and sit next to him because he, he was sitting in a seat by himself, talking over the back of the chair to them behind him. So I just went up and sat in this chair and I said, you know, could I, could I audition for your play? And I did, I went, I auditioned and I got a part. And, and I, 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 played, I played Carol in, in Shakers. And I played at the Redford Little Theatre. No, it wasn't. It was at the in workshop at the workshop Jukis Theatre Group. And and that and that and I did three or four years just doing. And this theatre group was called other theatre groups used to call it 
the, the, the paint and paste, the paint and paste group, because everything they did was on a budget and was cheap and was, you know, shaky scenes and everything. And it wasn't very, wasn't very, no money behind it. And they like how I make things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really basic, but you know, but I didn't care because I was, I was acting on stage. So I did this and then I ended up marrying that bloke. Um, <laughs> I did. He uh, was married to somebody else at the time, and and and, uh, and he split up with her. And then he had, got with somebody else, and he split up with her. And then year this was where two thousand year two thousand come in. This guy wasn't married to him at the time. This guy again, same guy, was talking, and he had got a part in the British amateur premiere of Blast Off. And that was to be done in the year 2000 at Retford, at Retford Little Theatre. And he was playing the, the, the guy that dressed up as a clown that hangs himself at the end. So this bloke you ended up marrying is the bloke from the coach? Yes. Wow. Yes. <laughs> yes. So he was, this, this was, this was five years before and he was married to somebody else. And then in the meantime, he, he divorced her and married somebody else. Um, and then, and then I, it was in my local pub with his wife at the time, and he was just chatting about this. He'd got the part, Stephen Tompkinson's part in Brassed Off, and he wanted to, oh, and they were looking for somebody to play Sandy, his wife. Now, Sandy, have you seen Brassed Off? I've seen the film, but years ago, I don't know it inside out. Yeah, but Sandy's the one that, she's the wife, and she's, she's no bloody money, no bloody job, and you want to juggle, fucking juggle this, and she chucks a plate at him. And it, whatever that's and that's how I remember this and he was saying that they needed somebody to play that part and I thought I could do that part so again I went to him and said oh are you wanting somebody to play this part I said I can do that and he goes oh I'll give the director a ring and put you forward for it so so I moved from Dukeris Theatre Group in Worksop to Retford Little Theatre who were incredibly professional and almost like yeah and the, the, the quality of their, they built their sets before they started rehearsing. So when you did eight weeks of rehearsing, you were rehearsing in a fully built set. Everything was there ready for you. Complete different world. And that showed me how, how the professional side of it worked. So then you see me being me and being a bit, I just thought, oh, someone's going to see me in this and they're going to come and ask me to be in Emmerdale. Right? But, you know, it doesn't work like that. Um, so all of this is sort of 15, 20 years ago, and then this, you yeah, did the teaching afterwards. 25 to, yeah, yes. Now, this was, I started to teach the same time as this happened. I became a teacher in 1997. So it was around about the same time. So I was happy just to do amateur theatre. And I, and I did amateur theatre for 10 years. Just reading for the local, you know, the, somebody's doing a play. I go and audition for it. I get a part or I don't get a part. And I just did it. And, I, and because I was happy with my teaching job. And this was something I did for fun. And then round about, well, I suppose, five years ago, I'd been teaching for 20 years. Teaching gets a bit stressful. Um, teaching changes. The, 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 the rules behind it change. The, yep. the ethos behind it change. It's not about teaching kids anymore. It's about getting exam results. It's about, you know, and, and, and it changes. And I wasn't enjoying it anymore. Like PE teacher, you see. So it used to be all about taking the kids to matches and winning tournaments and you'd come back and it's all brilliant. You're, you know, my team are now county champions at netball. Fantastic. Change to, oh, the county champions and that was lovely, but how are they going to catch up on the work they've missed when they went to this tournament? It was a case of, and you can only take kids to tournaments if they're up to date with the schoolwork, if they're on target to get the predicted grade. If they're not, they can't go to the tournament, they have to stay behind. So it all changed, it all changed. And so I started to find myself doing more and more, more drawn to the acting. And I thought, I've been doing 10 years amateur now and nobody's noticed me. Nobody's picked me up. Nobody's said, come and be in Emmerdale, which is what I want to do, which you can probably gather. Um, so I just thought, you need to better yourself, don't you? So I went to Stirling Academy in Bolton, which is an acting school. Some, some One of my friends had been to it and said it, they did pretty good classes. So I went there for two years. Did their, I did their um, beginner's class and their advanced class. And then I moved into their master class. And you just have 
I teach lessons and very well structured. And as part of their program, they then put on, put on performances out, um, during the Lowry. And, and, and then they send you for auditions for television adverts and stuff like that. Okay. And then, so for me, I'm thinking this is the next step for me. I'm going to, this, this agent I've got is going to send me forward for all these wonderful shows and I'm going to get picked up by somebody. I'm going to get discovered and I'm going to be on telly, but obviously it doesn't happen. So what's the process of getting your agent? Like, how did that come about? I went to the Sterling Academy to do, do classes, like I say. They've got what they call a core foundation class, which is a series of 14 classes. And no matter how well trained you are, you have to do their foundation classes because there's a different skill taught in each one. And they just, even if you've been trained at RADA, there might be one little bit that you've missed or something. So that they take you through these 14 classes, which are foundation. And then if, if, when you've done that, if they think you're good enough, you, you move into their advanced class, which is the, more of the same, but at a, at a deeper level. And then when you get, again, there's no time limit to that one. When they think you're good enough or that, you know, they will put you, ask you to move into their master class. The master class is for people that are registered on Spotlight. So if, if during the advanced class, they put you, they, they put on shows, some, some of them are, well, basically, they write them themselves. We write our own shows while we're rehearsing. We might be rehearsing a particular piece, and they'll say, for example, okay, today we're working on emotion. I want you to do a piece where you start off angry, but you end up crying. Go and work on it. And you go off in your pairs. They pair you up, different person every week, and you work on this piece. And then somehow, that's a really good piece. That Right, we're going to use that. And, and suddenly, that piece that you've just done, a show is built around it. Because we might have been husband and wife having an argument. Two other people might have been doing brother and sister argument. Suddenly you put it together and you've got this family unit and, and a show builds around one piece that you've done. So um, who takes that and turns it into, like, who writes that play based on what they've seen? Um, the, us, the, the actors. The, 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 the guy at, the, at Bolton at Sterling is called Glenn, Glenn Mortimer. He's a really good actor. He's been in Emmerdale. He's been in Corrie. Not, not major roles, but small parts. And he leads the classes. There's a girl called Lisa. Um, she, again, another incredible actor. Um, she, she's a teacher as well. And they just guide you through, through... She might say, right, we're going to do, like, for example, once we did a, we did a whole performance on couples therapy. So she said, we're working on emotion and we're going to do a couples therapy. So she's divided it into twos and we all had to come up with a, a reason why we were going to couples therapy and you came up with your own reason so me and my uh, my partner we came up with the idea that um i desperately wanted to get married and he didn't believe in marriage and he didn't he wanted to be with me but he didn't want to marry me right. he wouldn't want finger right so we uh, but so why won't you marry me? Oh, we don't need to get married um but there had to be some sort of reason behind it that didn't come out till the end the reason he wouldn't marry me was because he was still in love with his ex and the reason i really needed him to marry me was because i'd got this child and my dad was abusive my dad used to be abusive to me as a child and and i knew that and i was ill and i knew that if i died my dad would take my child and bring him up and I didn't want that to happen because I was scared he'd abuse my child the way he did me whereas I knew if this man married me he would get custody of the kid so but uh, you know so that was my reason for being desperate to get married so 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 basically in this class all these couples have gone off to come up with their own different reasons why we were in couples therapy and we all produced these pieces and they were really good pieces because they're, they're all self-written by by each couple and then the class teacher Lisa she played she started she when we brought it all together she was the um the group leader hello and welcome to couples therapy can you just tell me your name and why you're here please oh yeah my name is Martin and this is my wife and this is my girlfriend and we're here because she wants to get married and I don't want to so then then Lisa would start to ask us questions and draw out while we, while, while we were there and so we'd be in character arguing with each other well you said you wanted to marry me when I first met you now you don't well, you know, and we'd have this argument and she, and then she'd, okay, she'd move on to the next couple and then the next couple. And then in the next class, 
she'd say, okay, in your pairs now, let's make up a scene of you at home in your home life. And we would make up this scene about, you know, we were watching, whatever. We'd make up some sort of scene. And then over a period of four or five weeks, every couple had got four or five scenes. So then it came together in a performance where the before, act one started with everybody coming to group therapy and talking about, you know, why we were there. And then in the middle of each conversation, one of us would stand up and do a monologue. So in the first half, one, my, my partner, he stood up and he gave a monologue of the lights went down. He gave a monologue of why he didn't want to marry me about his girlfriend, his previous girlfriend, how he came home when he, she'd had a heart attack and he'd found her dead and he was gutted and he was all emotional. And then when the lights came back to normal, I hadn't heard that. And, you know, so, and the whole of the first half was one person from each person doing a monologue on, on that. So, so you got to know. So basically, at that point, I was the baddie. I was trying to force him to marry me, but he didn't want to. And, and then in the second half, that all started with everybody's home scenes. So in my home scene, we, was, I'm sat on the settee next to him and we're snuggling up watching telly. Uh, and I tried, I want, tried to kiss him, but he just didn't want to kiss me. He just gave me a peck. And he goes, why won't you kiss me properly? And he couldn't kiss me because he, he's still in love with his ex. Mm. But, and, and then went into my monologue, where in my monologue, I regressed to a six-year-old little girl. Daddy, daddy, no, daddy, no, daddy. And, and I fell down these caravan stairs and I told the story of what my dad used to do to me. Um, and and, it, and it, that's why I need Martin to marry me because if Martin doesn't marry me, my my dad will do that to you know. And then the lights change and we're back in the room again. So so from classes of individual three four minute scenes, we had this two hour show which was so emotional. The audience was sitting there laughing, crying, laughing. All these individual stories that uh, were happening. Oh, and it was phenomenal. So how? How long did that show go for? How long did it take from just kind of these first sessions to it being a complete play? Like, and like, I mean, what's the title of this play? Is it, has it gone anywhere else? Like, what's the... You no, know, it was just, it was the Sterling Academy Showcase. Um, and it, we took, I suppose we rehearsed it over three months, every Saturday for three months, and then it went on. But, you see, right, because it's a class, this is because it's a class and it is tickets were sold but mainly to your own family and to agents and stuff um because it's, it's, it's a showcase of abilities it's not a show that could go around the country because the talent was so diverse there yeah. were some people in that that were amazing and there were some people in there where it was their first time on stage and they were absolutely booking it and were just you know, you could see it wasn't... Something you know. that seems like an advantage of that is that if the actors are kind of coming up with things, then I guess by default, you kind of have a natural fit with the parts that you're playing. So it, so everything mm. just seems to be naturally cast. Yes, no script. So there was no prompt, there was no script. You went on stage that day and you did. So every time we did a rehearsal, every time I practiced that scene with my husband, it was different every time. Yeah. Different words. The, the same basic story. It's the though. same sort of emotional beats. You know where you're headed, but you're not stuck with, oh, I've got to say this word, which again yeah. can negatively impact yes. acting, can't it? Because yes. you're kind of thinking, oh, I'm remembering the line and then you're not acting. Yes, exactly. Yes. And so on the actual performance night, you know, we did it and we went in a completely different, you know, we added this whole section. Well, what about when you did this? Oh, and it was like, where did that come from? But it was where it took us. Yeah. Because yeah, one of the classes, one of the classes we did, she said, you've got to think of a piece of music that is relevant to your story. And you're going to act with, with no words, just a piece of music. So we chose Meatloaf's Two Out of Three Ain't Bad. Yeah. I, I, want, I need you, I want you, but I'm never going to love you. And we did this whole piece to that music where I came in reading a book and, I, and it was clear that I absolutely adored him, but he liked me, but he didn't love me. Yeah. And, and then for the actual show, our piece started with that music. And we had just 20 seconds of that music just to set the scene. So by the time I walked in, the audience could clearly see that I adored him, but he was like, didn't love me. 
and that we, and so we just picked little bits from each lesson and we just picked the good bits and put them together to make this you know. So where does this fit into your timeline? Is this like after you quit the teaching straight after? Yeah, I was still teaching at that point. And, and, and that for me was the turning point because that was so good. Right. And I, and I thought um, that, well, for me personally, I thought that was the best thing that I've ever done because my, I was, my tears were real. My anger was real. Yeah. Um, it was all real. It was, it was because you see, it was also based on fact. So my story, it actually happened to me. And the things that, the things that, the story that I told was a true story. Obviously I made it worse. My dad didn't abuse me that way. He, he was just a very controlling man, but I built it around something that I know, something that, I was, that I'm talking about. So I knew my character. I knew who she was. Okay, and I had to adapt it slightly to, to fit him, but, but it, because it was the best thing I ever did, it, I got to the point where I thought then, this is, if nobody, if, if I, I can't act better than that, right? And all those people sitting in the audience watching that, if none of them are going to come to me and say, you should be on Emmerdale, right? Then I'm never going to get on Emmerdale. And that it's was when I that... Feedback. Is getting on Emmerdale like your kind of ultimate thing, like where you would want to be, like dream role? Is that... It was. It was then. It, 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 it was, it was, the, I just wanted to be a professional actress. I wanted to be a professional actress. And back then, because I was a teacher, I wanted that secure money coming in every week, you know. So um, recurring TV role rather than like films and things that are just temporary and then they it start. Was then. So, yeah, it, yeah. Not, not now, it was then. But so what, do you, what do you want now? Well, you see, lockdown, you see, I've been watching all these uh, Midsummer Murders and uh, Agatha Christie's and you know and it's like on these like broad church and I've realized you see because I've not got Sky I've not got Netflix I've not got all these things I've only got terrestrial I've only got ITV BBC one two three and four you know so I just watch normal TV so now lockdown's been on I've seen all these other things I've realized that yeah I want just just something I want to do something where the place to my where I can be emotional, because I've realised that I'm better when I'm when I'm when I'm crying, when I'm laughing, when I'm hysterical, when when somebody I love has died, a death scene, or you know that my my me showing my emotion on on film is what I'm good at, yeah. Rather than I'm not very good at you know romantic scenes. I get embarrassed. Um, but I, you know, I could do it, but but not emotion is is what I'm good at, and anything that it allows me to be emotional because because me, Stephanie is shy, quiet, doesn't like to, doesn't like to well doesn't like to confide in people, doesn't like to tell people who I am. Uh, if, if you ask me what do I like, I will ask you what you like, and I'll say, oh yeah, I like that too. A bit like the Runaway Bride, Julia Roberts. She she likes what everybody else likes. She yep, doesn't. Like, yeah, she's so so. That 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 film reminds me of, of me a lot in such that I like what you like. If you don't like it, then I don't like it. I don't know what I like because I've never really thought about what I like. So so, but acting allows me because I suppose the reason that me doesn't like, I'm thinking on my feet now, doesn't like to confide in, in, in other people and it's because I'm scared that they're not going to like it, that they're not going to like me for that, that they're, they're not going to agree with me, they're going to be, and it goes back to being at school, quiet, shy, goofy teeth, um, national health glasses, ugly girl that had no friends, that that girl is still in here. And, and that, that girl is, is used to not being liked, not being wanted, not being agreed with. So that girl has grown up to be in the adult version. But when I act, it doesn't matter if they agree with me or not agree with me, because it's not my words I'm saying. It's almost like a mask. I find the same thing, actually, whenever I do acting. You're kind of freer, in a way, to just kind yes. of... Yes. Yeah. To be whoever I want to be. And, um, and, it, and if I get upset and I cry, I tend to cover my hand over my face and, and, and like this because I don't want anybody to see. 
But when I'm crying on film, I will just, you will see this ugly crying face and I don't care who sees it because it's not me that's crying. So, yeah. So, so how that comes around, what, what I was getting to is the fact that when you realise that nobody is going to come and get you, you've got to do it yourself. I gave up teaching and I, cause I was doing murder mysteries once a month for this company, turning up with a bare, bare bones of a script. It wasn't a script, it was a, it was a, your name is, you are this old, you're having an affair with him, you're married to him, and you've done this, that, and the other. And then you have to improvise your conversations all night with people that you've only met on the night. So I might turn, oh, hi, Richard, you're playing my husband today. Oh, great, okay. And then we would go on to do the murder mystery, and we'd either be loving or we'd be arguing but it would be improvised on the night in front of all the guests. And then the next time we did a murder mystery, hi, Richard, oh, you're playing my uncle today. Oh, you might be somebody different. And so every time, you know, so, and I really enjoyed them. No lines to learn. And again, because there's no lines to learn, the character is your own. A bit like the acting classes at Bolton, you can, you can make that character however you want her to be. Yeah. Um, so I have, I've done murder mysteries where, oh, I played that part last week and she's done it completely different to how I played it last week. But it still works because she's done it her way and I did it my way. So, so then I thought, I enjoy these murder mysteries. Teaching was not going the way, you know, I'd, I'd had enough. So I thought I started my own murder mystery company. Because um, the hotel, basically the hotel that I... I'd worked with a few, their contract with the uh, company, this company was coming to an end and neither the hotel nor the company wanted to renew it with each other. They've got some personal problems between them. And so the, the murder mystery company was not going to be, be, renew with the hotel. The hotel was in discussion with another murder mystery company. And I, I was coming home from my murder and I overheard them talking. And she said, oh, yeah, we've got a meeting with this man on Wednesday. He's coming in to discuss. So I just knocked on the office door and goes, hi. Um, uh, I don't know what I said, but I said, um, can I have the contract? And they went, oh, uh, how would you? And I just, and, and they said, and, and she called the manager and he came down to her. This was the assistant manager. And she goes, oh, this is that. And he, he knew me. And I said, um, I hear you, you're not... You know, I, I have my own murder mystery company, I says. I've got my own actors. Because I had been dabbling with it, and I'd, got, and I'd done one gig at the Redford Little Theatre, where I first did my, my acting. I did one murder mystery per year for them as a charity. Free of charge. I didn't charge them anything. I just took my, my family, my friends, my, uh, and did a murder mystery. They sold tickets for it, and it all went down really well. So I said to this woman, can I have the contract? And she, they said, yes basically. So this man that was coming in on Wednesday to sign the contract um, was, was given a phone call to say, don't come in on Wednesday to sign the contract, we've given it to somebody else. Mm -hmm. and, and that was me. And that was in, in, in October. And, I, and he said to me, we do 50 murder mysteries a year. So I started in October and alongside my teaching. And they murdered, they just went so well, and they got, they, they were getting more. Initially, we had like 60 or 70 people in an audience, and then we were getting 180 people in an audience. And it got, then it got so bad that it, it sold so many tickets that they've got, this hotel's got two function rooms. So they had to split it into two function rooms. I had to take two casts. And I had one caster in, the, in one room, and I had another cast in another room. And he paid me double the fee. Because um, I had, and we, and we did murder mysteries, the same murder mystery, but to two different rooms 70 people in that room and 120 people in that room because it was just so big. So, as you're doing a murder mystery and you're telling this, are these like how does the money work? Are, are you running the company at this point, paying the actors? Mm. Or? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 when they called me in to say um, how much you're going to charge, well, I, I didn't know. I didn't know what. I, I got an idea of how much this company charged. I thought this company charged uh, about a grand. So um, I went in less than that. Um, and I just, she goes, how much are you going to charge? And I says, well, this much. And she went, oh, 
leaned forward, wrote it down, got the yeah. manager in and said, you know, Stephanie wants to take over. Yeah, so, so they pay me a set fee per murder mystery. And, um, and then I, I turn up with actors and the actors are all self-employed. So I, I, I just pay them a set fee. So and the, the, I've got about 45 actors on my books. And I, uh, so yeah, so he said that we were going to do 50. In our first year, we did 80. So 80, um, 80 murder mysteries. That's a few a month, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I started off in October, I did two. In November, I did five. Christmas and New Year, December, I was doing um, eight or nine. In October, in, in August, I did 11. Yeah. So basically, what they did was they, they, were, they were selling them that well that if they hadn't got a wedding on, they would have a murder mystery. So most Fridays, every Friday, every Saturday, every bank, if it's a bank holiday, I do Sunday as well. If they'd got a wedding on, I didn't do it because they got a wedding on. Okay. But they just filled, they just filled up all their free, all their dates with murder mysteries and the guests come, they get a three course meal, they get overnight stay, breakfast and a murder mystery for, and, and the, and the hotel charge them whatever they charge them so it's like a know? trickle down so the hotel charge them per guest they get their profit out of that they pay your company and out of that you pay the actors and then what's left is mine and it's sort of like a triangle yeah and then what's left is yeah. yours yeah. um so are you, are you still doing those or how long did you do those if not uh yeah well um um i started not october october before um and as of well I'd got them booked in right up until now and COVID came and um, I, I did one on 23rd, 24th of March and then next week is cancelled and I lost the next 20, 20 murder mysteries I just lost because of COVID. So it's all come to a halt. And are um, you covered for any of those payments or is it all just like no. creatives? No, you just... I've not earned a penny. I've not earned a penny since, and I don't earn. A, I haven't earned a penny. I don't qualify for anything um, because because I've retired from teaching yeah. on, a, on, a, on my ill health teacher's pension. I've got a reduced pension, but my pension is more than I would get on the dole. So I don't get any income support or anything because I've got a teacher's pension, and I don't qualify for that payment where they paid you for self-employed because. Um, I've not been running long enough <sighs> because, well, this this year was okay. Last year, your your self employment earnings had to be at least fifty percent of your total income. Well, for the first year, I was still teaching. So, so how many so, years have you not been teaching at all? Because I'm confused the timeline, like how long you've been doing the murder mysteries and how long you've not been teaching. Uh, I retired from teaching December 2018. Okay. So I've not taught for the whole of 2019 or 2020. Wow. Just completely stopped teaching because the murder mysteries, I was doing one every Friday, every Saturday. So then, of course, you see, because, because when I worked for the company, I, they sent me their script. So now it's my own company and I'm doing 80 a year. I've got to write scripts. Do you so write you them all be, yourselves, the murder mysteries? So now, now, yeah, not only I have to write the murder mystery... I have to costume it. I have to produce the props for it. So now I've got Sterling Murder. My company is called Sterling Murder. I've now got uh, 54, 55 unique plots that me or my actor team have written. So there's not just me. There's, there's four of us that write. Um, because I, I, just, I wrote the first few. And then somebody said, I've got a core of three or four actors that are, that are, that are, that are you know, they're in most of them. And they said, because uh, after a murder mystery, we all go to go to Costa Coffee for a coffee on the motorway services because it, um, while ever you're in the hotel, you're still in character. And as you're walking around, if the guest sees you, if the guest sees character. you, you have to be in character, yeah. You're in character. So, so we, we, we leave the hotel, we go to Costa Coffee, and we just chat and relax. And it was while we're doing that that often we sit around the table and we get talking, oh, we need to do a murder mystery about whatever oh yeah yeah and this could happen and that oh yeah and how and then we sit around talking about it and then someone says right i said who's gonna write that one then and Stuart says oh i'll write that one and he goes off and he writes it and he comes back 
And then, you know, another one, oh, I like, and then they'll say, I want to do one based on cricket. I want one based on golf. I want to do a girls' football team. See, because I'm an ex-PE teacher, all my plots are based on sport. I've got a girls' right. football team one. I, I write about things I know. So a girls' football team, um, um, I've got a golf one uh, buried deep in the sand trap. Um, we've got, yeah, different people write different things. Um, Josh, he's a real Josh. He's one of my actors. He's a really, really good singer. And when we, we we write them with him in mind because he can sing, we've got one called um, Rock Stars, and we all came up with this one. It's called Rock Stars, and it's and there's a band called Full Marks, and they're called Full Marks because there's four there's four or five people in the band, four people in the band, and they're all called Mark, Mark right. Avalon, Mark Chatwell, Mark. Dixon, Mark, whatever, colorful marks. And this is, and they split up 10 years ago because of certain things that come out later on. So this is the 10 year, they've been split up 10 years and this is their reunion. They've come back to, to reunite. So, and this is their reunion tour. So the audience are all in there and Mark Avalon comes in and Mark Chatterwell comes in and Mark Boston comes in and they're all saying, where's Mark Dixon? Where's Mark Dixon? And then I walk in. Um, walking like a man with my legs wide apart, dressed as a woman. Mark Dixon is now Marcia Dixon because she's nice. had a sex change, right? Okay. And I'm walking around with, with my pelvic, with my pelvis tilted forward because women walk like that and men walk like that. And I'm just walking like a man. And when I sit, I, I just sit down with my legs like this, do you know what I mean? And with a skirt on and everything, you know. And the, the audience are like, oh, you know. And <laughs> I'm just a bloke. I'm just being a blokey, but I'm a woman. So, and that, she's, the, she's the comedy character. But obviously, somewhere in there, there's there's the there's the original uh, the original manager of the band, followed by the new manager of the band, and it's this contract. So there's all sorts of things behind, and somebody gets killed. But because it's based on rock stars, the band do a turn and they get up and they sing. And Josh, who's an amazing singer, writes his own songs, sings. And the audience are just blown away by this murder mystery group that are doing a murder mystery. Then one of them starts to sing. And he's singing his own songs as well. And he's singing his own songs. Nice. Now, you see, that's for him, you see, he is, I was going to tell you about him before, Josh Williams is called, if you look on uh, Williams Creatives, is his website, he is um, six foot four, black, enormous, the biggest man you ever did see. And he puts on his own shows and... Um, so I met him through murder mystery for this other company and we just hit it off. So he murders for me. I've learned about his singing. He writes murder mysteries. He sings on my murder mysteries. I told him the story I've just told you about this, um, this couple's therapy thing. He's now written a play, which is basically what we sort of did, but with a script. And he is, he has got his own theater company now. And he, where we do take shows around, the, um, the so he was working for you and now you're kind of working for him as well doing yeah theater. yeah because he's done exactly the same he he's a, he by day he's a, 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 um, a children's home manager but he writes his own plays he's just done one called on the surface we smile he's written this play himself and basically it's two people like me and you sitting having a chat on a settee and and the, 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 the play opens with these two, two people sat on side by side on the settee and they're but best mates and they're having a drink and they just chat. Oh, what was her? What was that girl at school? You remember? What girl? That girl that fancied you. What the? She was sitting with us in mass. Oh, yeah. What happened to her? I don't know. Someone told me she was a closet. What? No. Right? Well, I've heard she's back. What do you mean she's back? She just disappeared when she was 11. Not seen her since. Yeah, well, she's back. I wonder what happened to her. Okay. And then it switches into this part of the stage where you see this girl's story. This girl is called Kerry. Kelly. And basically at the age of 11, again, it's a true story. He knows the girl it happened to. This girl was sold by her dad to sex traffickers and taken to, to Amsterdam. Okay. So this girl, which I played, right? I play this girl. She's a true story. She got, the house got raided. When she got older, when she got, uh, she, at the age of 11, she was trafficked. Um, she was treated awfully, but she found that the more she, the, the more, compliant she became the better her life was if she did it properly she got given better clothes she was allowed to have a bath she was allowed to have a shower instead of sleeping in a room with 20 girls she got her own room so she learned to you know because that's all she knew at the age of 11 then when she got older 
as they were bringing more girls in, she started to help them because she got beaten so many times. She got pregnant so many times and the kid was taken off her, but they let her keep one child. And this girl was like eight or nine. And this girl was getting to the age where she was going to be wanted by men. And mm. so she knew that her, this is awful, but she knew that her, what her daughter would go. So she taught her daughter what to do with these men so that she wouldn't be hurt, that she wouldn't be beaten up, she wouldn't be. So this, but that's all she knew. Yeah. Now I am sounding like I'm on her side. So this, when, this, when this ring was busted, they want, she was going to go into prison and everything, but she was, she was interrogated by police for so long. And then she ended up, she left Scott free because she wasn't, she was the victim. She genuinely thought she was helping these girls. When these girls got brought to the house in Amsterdam, she teach them how to dance. And my section of the show was called Dances My Mother Taught Me. Mm. And it's basically because she taught, she taught the other girls to dance in a way that wouldn't get them beat up by the men that would make their life better for them. So she genuinely thought she was being a mother to these people. She was a mother to her own child. And then her own child got taken in. When this all was busted, she's never seen the daughter since because her daughter didn't, her daughter hated her. And she's never seen the daughter since because her daughter didn't, you know what I mean? So yeah. basically, this is, so this, this, what I've just told you is played out on stage. So, uh, so at the end of that, it goes back to the settee. Oh my God, I had no idea that, yeah. Wow. What an awful thing. And then the conversation takes them onto something else. And then that other scene is played. And all of these scenes are traumatic like that. Some funny ones, there's some nice ones. But each of these scenes, this is Josh Williams that's written this. And he's written it from people that he know. There's another one in it. There's a family. And it's, and, 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 because this, we've done this show twice now. The first time we did it, I played this character called Mother. There's mum, dad, son and daughter. And basically the mother's an alcoholic and she drinks because she doesn't want to be married and she didn't want to be a mum. And she's got this perfect life, this lovely husband and these lovely kids. But inside she's tormented because she, she doesn't want to be a mum and it's whatever. And I played that one first. Right, and we did it, took the tour, and we, did, we did this in Bad Down in Loughborough. And then he's rewritten it, changed bits, added bits. And then we're doing it again. And we'd got a full, full tour booked to go to Birmingham, Manchester, um, Liverpool, West End of London, um, Gainsborough. You know, we've got a tour of like 12 places to go to. And the tour was supposed to be happening now. And because of COVID, it's got cancelled. So, so from, from these, from basically some, from what, what I'm trying to get out, I've, I've talked a lot, haven't I? It's about you going out there and finding it for yourself. You can't just sit there and expect to be somebody to see you and say, come and be in my show, right? So, so by me leaving teaching and setting up my own murder mystery business, I met Josh. Through me meeting Josh, and using him in my murders, I've now got a part in a play that's doing a tour of England, going to the West End of London, going to Liverpool, Manchester, and I've got that for myself by me being proactive and not waiting to be discovered. I mean, it sounds like that's the whole story, because even from going up and talking to some bloke on a coach, it's not so much about like the training and all of those things as putting yourself forward from the way you tell it. It's just kind of like getting yourself in the right room or like in the, with the right people and like in that right environment. Yeah, it is. But it, yeah, but it's again, you hear about this being in the right room, but it, it's not, I don't think it's, but I don't mean right by room. chance. I mean, you're saying, no. okay, I'm going to go to this place. Like the two things about sitting with a person on the bus. And then the other thing about just going in and saying, give me the contract. I mean, that takes a certain yeah. character, doesn't it? <laughs> that's, that's a, yeah yeah but but it's being in the right room we mean the right person because you hear about these actors and actresses that go and hang out in places where they might be spotted by potential but directors but i it only worked for me because it was the right when i went to sterling academy and that role i did it was a part that i made for myself when i do these murder mysteries it's mysteries that i write for myself i write them for my character I only went to speak to that man because he was talking about a character that I recognised with. You know, so what would, 
what do you what would you recommend uh, recommend other actors to do that are trying to get started because you say don't just sit there don't just wait so like what would be a good approach if someone's like i don't know like 16 or whatever now and they're trying to get into acting like what would you tell them to do i i would for me for me improvisation is big it's not about you got to go for a part that talks to you the that that when you when you don't just read for anything. When I first started off, I just wanted to be in plays, and every single time there was a reading at Redfield, I would go to it and I would read for that part. Even though when we did one, they did a part that was all American accents, and I can't do American accents, I still read for that part, and I got a part, and I had to talk in an American accent, and I was crap because I couldn't do it. Right? It's about not doing parts for the sake of doing parts. It's only do a part that you know you can do well because. You don't know who's sitting there in the audience. And if you're acting for acting's sake and you're doing a part that doesn't really fit you, but you're doing it to gain experience, but you're performing badly in it because it's not you, right. anybody in there watching it is, well, she's not very good. Anybody watching me, we did that, we did that Steel Magnolias and I played the Julia Roberts part. Anybody watching that would be comparing me to Julia Roberts and thinking how crap I was because I was talking in this funny accent and I couldn't really do it and I'd got no idea what an American accent was and it was like what and this is what I was talking like and it's like just not realistic at all is it you know and and it was like and I just looking back I cringe at some of the some of the lines I could hear myself saying and if anybody was seeing that and seeing me I wouldn't want them to see that, but yeah, that, but, but that's a really still Magnolia's is a really well-known play that everybody knows. But then there's something that's self-written up in Bolton that's not got a title that we've met that's improvised. Where, whoa, my performance was just like four times better than anything I've ever done before because the part spoke because the part was me. So so when you're choosing a part something that you know that something about that you you've got to know how that character feels and if you don't know how that character feels it's about believability i learned this at sterling academy um, the teachers there you're you if you don't believe you are that person how is the audience going to believe you're that person how can you expect an audience to believe it if you don't so if I'm acting against you and we're supposed to be absolutely madly in love, I, if I've got to believe in my head that I absolutely love you, and if I'm seeing Richard Fish and I'm not in love with you, then my performance is not gonna, it's not, it's not gonna come across. I've got to see Tom Smith and I have got to absolutely love you. And when I kiss you, it has got to be like I am, you know, you are that person and I've got to believe it. Do you find it hard to step out of that then if you're getting so involved in a character and then what happens when there's, you know, when the, when the play is over or if somebody calls cut on a set, do you just snap back to yourself or does it take? Uh, yeah. The last got better with, hmm, it's difficult that. I married, you know, I told you I married the man. Yeah. I married the man because in that play, Blast Off, he was playing the Stephen Tompkinson part and I was playing his wife and we were married. And during rehearsals for that, that's when we got together. And we were only together and married for like total for four years because my character fell for his character and vice mm. versa. So, so, but now I can snap right out of it. I, I can. I can see if it's if it's a couple thing. If I'm playing a, a person that I hate you, I can hate you so much. And if doing murder mysteries, I often people don't want to act against me in murder mysteries if we're having to fight because I hurt them. Because if I'm going to slap you, I will proper slap you, and I will really. I can do it so hard, and I hate you because I really, really, really hate you. And I've had to take a step back because loads of actors complained that Steph, you hit me too hard. You, you got to back off. You got to pull it. You've got to do. And, and I couldn't. Everything was given, you know. So I had to learn to pull it because because if it's a two way thing, two way relationship. If I love you, I love you. If I hate you, I hate you. If I'm irritated by you, I'm irritated by you. And and that carries on after the show. But if it's something that's just me, 
I find it hard. Like this um, Kelly, this, this sex trafficked woman, she doesn't interact with anybody. This is pure monologue. So in my head, I've learned her monologue. I know it inside out. I know what happened to her. I know how it happened. And that is really, really hard to get out of because to the point as I've not told that this tour has been cancelled because of COVID and it's been put forward to 2021 next year. And I am serious, even though it's a part to die for, I am seriously thinking about not doing it because, because she, Kelly, has affected me so badly that you know when I was telling you the story, you were sat there wincing. I could see it on your face. Yeah. Your face was pained, right? Well, it's an uncomfortable you know? thing to hear, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that is how I felt when I first read it, right? And then I had to become her. So when I became her, and I'm talking about what my dad did to me, he gave this man a pa- this man gave him a, a, a packet of money, and, he, and, he, and, and, and I cried, and I'm running down the street, and I'm crying, and I'm feeling all what happened to her, and, I'm, and I've got, I'm in my head, I've got that look on your face that you had. But then I get to the bit in the story where, no, she's helping these girls, and she's, and she's justifying what she did. She's justifying it. So now I feel that she's justified. So my, my tolerance, not tolerance, my... It's not a very nice thing to say. And this is why I'm decided not going to do it because when, if, when you, when I think of that story now, that look on your face that I had, I don't have it anymore. Somebody talks to me about, oh, these girls that have been abused, they've been whatever. I'm not horrified anymore. You just kind of normalized it and rationalized it. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. So what's happened to the real Kelly? You say she's still around. I mean, have you met her? Is she... I, I, I have, well, like I said, the, the, this, this play, is, he did it once and I wasn't in it. Then he right. rewrote it. Then he did it the second time and I was in it. Now she came to the first one. So she actually came and saw it. And, um, and the, um, the one I was at in... The, the women's refuge that looked after her, they, the staff from that came to it and saw it. But I don't know who she is because I suppose it's all confidential and stuff. Yeah. But I don't know. Um, yeah, I've not, I've not met her. But she wasn't at the one that she didn't see me. She's seen other people do, but she's not seen other people do well. that play. Yeah, I was just thinking with yeah. your friend, the one who wrote it, knowing her. And yeah. Mm. yeah yeah because he which is why he writes so well he'd be a perfect one for you to talk to is it not dangerous if you're getting so into a character like you saying with mm. not wanting to get in into I, kelly I, so much I, I, I don't know i think maybe again you're talking to somebody out that's not had that this is my first experience of it right. i didn't think it was i've always been able to switch off you know, the camera cut, hi, you know, you know, I'm not really in love with you, but I'm going now, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, and I, I've always been able to do it, but it's only since my own acting has progressed through acting, through improvisation, through, through not having scripted parts. So I, you know, when you ask me the question, what, what would you, you know, a new actor, if you're doing scripted parts, you are doing somebody else's interpretation of what they want you to do. Whereas the more improvisation you do, the more you get to work, you find out for yourself what works best for you and how, how you emote. And yeah, so since I've learned to improvise, since I've learned to do the modules on emotion and how to, since then I found it really difficult to separate myself from a part which is why I need to be careful now about what parts I do. Because when you see these adverts on, these girls are genital mutual, whatever, mutilation genitals, and they've to marry people three times older than themselves. I just think, oh yeah, you know, it's just, my, I'm dead emotionally on that level. You've just kind of normalized it and taken that as a thing mm. that is, rather than a thing that's shocking, because you've just kind of mm. got yourself in that world. Yeah, so. yeah. And, but... That is not good. And if I put that on Twitter, I'd be hated. All this hate mail. Oh, I, hate I mean, you if can't... you if you say anything on, if you say I don't like cheese on Twitter these days, someone will vilify you. It's just it's yeah. da- it's a dangerous time to put things on the internet. I to think put up anything on anything. Yeah. yeah, but but that is what acting can can do to you. And I had this same conversation with somebody the other day 
Um, yeah, because I was telling somebody else that I was thinking of dropping out of this play. And it's like, I just think about Demi Moore when she did that. I've not seen the film, but I know, I've never seen it, but um, she did that film Striptease. And I've, and, I, and I've seen it, I've read a biography about where she said that to learn to be in that film Striptease, she actually went to a strip club and watched the strippers and talked to the girls and, and got them to teach you how to do it and whatever. And she had to virtually become one and to live like one. And I just think, again, for that, her, whatever her, her personality will have been changed by that experience. You know yeah, I, mean? I think that's a good point. Like I know definitely like some of the experiences I've had more working on other people's films than my own, but like, like things have happened and it's just like either the group of people or the character you get to play or just like something about the atmosphere and you, and you do come out a little bit changed, I think. Mm. Like from it, from it, even even from little things, like it's I don't know if it's learning or different life experience or what, but you do kind of find yourself a bit more reflective somehow. Or, yeah. Definitely. Now, I didn't in yours. <laughs> you see, you see, that's the thing. See, yours was your. I, you know, I've, I watch that all the time. I do. I really so let's just it. introduce this in two thousand and <laughs> well, I said two thousand seventeen, but we started in two thousand fifteen. But that's another story. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Steph was uh, in my film, The Lodger. Loved um, it, really. And that, that, that is the sort of thing that she it was, she was a part, she was a person that I could play that, but that didn't challenge me emotionally. Right. Um, um, in that, I suppose the looking back, I, I, I should have been maybe a bit more shocked and a bit more emotional when I found out that my daughter had killed this man. But if you watch it back when I, Oh, what are you done? Oh, okay. And again, I'm sure that is because of, because by then I'd already been doing murder mysteries for, for years, for eight, seven or eight years. Um, so now when I'm doing a murder mystery, when, when the dead body walks in, the guests go, <gasps> and we just go, because we've seen it all before. Is there anything that you feel that you still need to work on or anything that you'd, that you've not yeah. done that you want to? I, I feel everything I've done so far, I have done off my own, off my own back. If, if you basically, if, I, when you do amateur theatre, there's somebody that directs the, you in the play, in the part, whatever, but the, 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 ten, the directing consists of basically telling you where to go, where to stand, to block in. They don't actually push you as an actor because they're part-time, they're amateur. They just, they just want to put this play out. Right. I've had a couple of directors that have directed me amateur, but have really pushed me. No, more crying. No, more crying. No, more crying. You know, and have really pushed me and forced me into these emotions that I didn't think. So I, I want to be directed by somebody that's going to push me to be what I can, because I always feel that there's more in me. I could do something. I could, I want somebody to look at me and say, no, I really want you to howl and wail. I want to do a scene where somebody has, has, um, has died that I really adore and I'm heartbroken. And, and, but I want somebody, because normally a, a director looks at you and they say, yeah, yeah, really good. That I like that. Thank you. All right. And because it's good, it's good enough for them. They move on to the next bit. But I want somebody to think, okay, that's good, that, but how can we make it better? No, I want you to do this. And I want to be directed by a good director, somebody that knows what they want and, 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 and can push me further. Because like I say, my murder mysteries, is, um, my acting so far, the monologues that I do, I do in these plays, all this improvisation, it come, I'm, I'm self-directing, aren't I? But it sounds like you're directing actors as well because you directed Josh's bit. Have you directed a full play? Yes. As well? No, I've never directed a full play. No. I know you direct your murder mysteries. So yes. what sort of things do you say to your actors? Is it the kind of things you'd want to hear? Or? Um, no, because in my murder mysteries, I am I'm in it as well. So I haven't got... I haven't got time to direct a particular person to do something because it's a one-off because we're doing a murder mystery today and you're playing Tom and you're playing Harry 
And then next week we're doing, you know, three weeks later, you're playing Harry and he's playing Tom. Oh, so you switch it up. So, yeah. So, so different. So basically it's who's available on that day. It's not the same person every time. So I, I send out a form. So who's available on Friday? These 10 people are. So I'll choose those eight. Right. The following Friday, a different 10 people are. So I'll choose a different eight. So it's not the same people every time. And, and cause I'm in it. I have to be in my own character. So if, I, if I'm acting away and someone's acting opposite me and I'm thinking, oh, I don't really like how they're doing this, I, I can't give it too much thought because I've got to carry on doing my job. And so I, I'm never actually on the sidelines watching. I'm always in it as well. So, and this is lighthearted and it's fun and it's improvised. And if somebody does do a good job, I will cast them in that role again. And I, and I do... Before we go on, you know, we have, we have two hours before a show starts where we go through what's going to happen and the, and the basic, you know, we read through the timeline of what's going to happen. And I do say, in this bit, I want you to be really emotional. I want, or in this bit, I want you to be um, not so emotional. I want to be, do it, do, it, do it straight, do it deadpan. Um, you, don't, you know, I tell them how I want them to, to emote. Um, but because it, I can't go back and say, no, do that again. I want you to do it different this time. Because it's, a, it's done, it's gone. Yep. It, it, it's not going to be repeated. Whereas in a play, when you, if you're doing a play for stage or, or a, something for film and you're rehearsing it, a director can say, no, do that again, but a little bit more this way. Do that again. No, change this. No, I liked it better the other way. Try it that way. You know, and I, and I want somebody to... Yeah, I just... For me, I would love to be in something where... I, I could feel at the end of it, wow, I don't think I could be any better than that. Do you, you were saying about like getting in mental murders and things, like do you, do you think there's barriers to you doing that? Or like what do you think you'd need to do if you wanted to appear in one of those things? Like what's... Uh, I honestly think, well, uh, you, you, you really do need to be more pro proactive and persistent. I don't do half enough to, I can't want it enough, can I? If I wanted it enough, I would be at that acting class week in, week out. I would be there at my agent. Do you know? I would be constantly working on new scenes for my for my um, show reel. I'd be saying, you know, trying to improve it all the time, and, and I'm not. You know, so those people that get there are the people that never give up and are constantly improving, learning, trying to improve. I I just think I can't want it enough. I was going to say, is that, is that even what you want, though? Or are you just kind of happy that now you can make a living yeah, from I think acting? I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm probably happy. I'm probably happy with where I am. And it, I think I always have been. Because I'm, when I was a teacher, I did enjoy it. It was a great job. I loved it. I didn't... If I hated it and had to get out, maybe I would have been more. But I didn't hate it. I never hated it enough to want to leave. No, I can agree. Like, I teach yeah. and I really enjoy teaching, but I just kind of feel like the thing where I really come alive is when I'm doing this film stuff. Whereas teaching, yeah. it's like, it's fine, it's enjoyable, I like it, I go in, like I get up happy, go to work every day, see the kids, teach them, whatever. But I feel like I need to be doing this stuff on the side. But, but, it, but it's a hobby. It's something yeah. you enjoy doing and you don't, and you can stop doing it whenever you want to. Whereas if this was your full-time job, you would have to do it all the time. You'd have to do it every day, whether you wanted to or not. If you were directing a play, you're directing a film, <laughs> Even if you didn't want to today, you're going to have to do it. So, okay, so that's a good question then. So if you're, do you find yourself getting fed up with acting now that you're kind of depending on it for income as well? Like, do you ever think, oh, I can't bother with this? Or do you always enjoy it as much as when you were doing it more as a hobby? Um, I'm, yeah, I must admit, sometimes with the murder mysteries, I just think, oh, I don't want to do this one. If there's a plot that I particularly don't like or a plot that... You see, because, because it's mine, I cast myself last. I need eight actors every time. And I look at, I've got these eight actors available today, and these are the parts to play, and I have to cast myself last. Because I, if I think, oh, I'm going to be best at that role, I've got somebody, you know, I need to put them in where they're best. I put my seven actors where they are best, then what's left? Okay, I will play that part. Because I want to get the best out of them. Yeah. So sometimes I find myself playing inspector, which I don't really like doing. But, you know, if I, if I don't play inspector, who is? You know, and 
So, I, so I, I sometimes, so I find that sometimes if I'm playing a part I don't particularly enjoy, then yeah, I, I don't always want to do it. But having not done anyone since March, I'm now, I now I'm finding myself thinking, I'll the play opposite. a tree. I don't yeah, care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I just want to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, 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 before, I just sometimes, if, I, if it's a role that I play four or five times, I'd play it the way I always played it. But now I'm thinking, oh, no, no, I should do that. I'm, I'm more in wanting to make the parts better. So are there, like, what are your, like, online profiles? Like, which of these casting things do you use? Is there somewhere where I could go on and see, like, everything you've done listed? Is that... I, I'm not very good at that. Um, I, I'm on Spotlight, so I've got a Spotlight uh, profile. So you'd find me on Spotlight, Stephanie Lee. Um, um, and there's, I've got a show reel on there, on the things I've done. Um, I, I, I check, I'm on Star Now, I've got a Star Now profile, but there's not very much on there. I find that I'm, basically since my murder mystery business took off I, I was so busy with that that this 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 thing about being in Emmerdale went because I was murdering every Friday every Saturday didn't have time and I'm enjoying it have you got like things that you want to tell people to go and like listen to or come and see you or oh well, Williams creatives um, um... Joshua Williams of Williams creatives he writes he writes the most amazing plays and it, um, to be in them to go and see them he, he is somebody to watch for the future and also Sterling Academy uh, acting classes they really push you to they push you to explore characters and they push you to to build your own characters and to through improvisation to to to, to work on a character to make it fit to make it work very good and if there's any Nottinghamshire hotels listening <laughs> oh Sterling yes um, Sterling Murder um, Murder Mystery Company we, we, we come to your hotel we um, provide entertainment for anything up to 150 guests uh, it's all improvised it's all we interact with the with the guests the murder happens in the room in front of you and the guests have to work out how did it. It's just brilliant fun for, uh, for an evening and very profitable for hotels because people will, people pay to come and stay overnight to watch these events. Mm. Thanks for agreeing to do this. And I'm glad that I've got so many of these stories out of you. Thank you.